Hello everybody and welcome back to the Preach What You Practice podcast with me, Josh Green, and not just me, very special guest, <laughs> my wonderful, amazing, wonderful wife, Emma Green, is here with me. Hi, hi everyone. <laughs> so we're talking about, um, well we're sort of culminating our series on leadership, leadership L's, how to take your losses and turn them into lessons. So we're going to get right into it today. Uh, At the end of this podcast, I will be telling you how you can win a free book, Help I Work With People by Chad Veach. The foreword was written by John Maxwell. It's a great book. I've read it. I will tell you how to win this book at the end of the podcast. But we're going to get into it today. Can I just say, before we start, that this is a true test of my love and devotion for you, Josh. Because I hate doing any anything on camera or anything down the mic <laughs> so this is my way of showing how much I love you babe what a great leader <laughs> leading by example all that good stuff it's amazing so what I did was I sort of put out on the last couple of episodes and on Facebook and things like that to uh, try and get some questions from people so we're going to start with a question from my friend Renee who's in an amazing band called Solar Jet. Uh, he's in Austria, which is a beautiful country. And he asks a very simple question to begin with. He says, how does the church environment facilitate an atmosphere for leaders to allow themselves to fail and to get back up with grace? Or does it sometimes even cause leaders to stumble big time because they have to keep up with certain unrealistic expectations? Mm, what a question. question. <laughs> Do you have anything good to share question. on this? Mrs. Wise Emma Green. Oh gosh, the pressure. <laughs> well, I think all leaders, not only leaders in the side of the church, all leaders have a responsibility to lead by example. Mm. You know, if you look at, say, the politicians of today, say, Boris Johnson, he has a responsibility, mm. you know, to conduct himself in a certain way. He can't be on the news one minute saying, yeah, follow these rules, do this and that, and then the next minute he's just doing whatever he wants. Mm. With leadership, you are carrying a responsibility. Mm. We've seen that go wrong, haven't we, even in politics and all that stuff. There's no point in getting into it all, but we've seen it go wrong so many times where people say, oh, we're all about this. Yeah. And then you find out they've broken the rules later. And and that's what Preach What You Practice is all about. It's about getting that private right so that the public is authorised and and your ministry has weight because your private life backs it up. I think as well, it's really important for leaders to also be really transparent transparent with the people that they're leading um, to be really transparent and make it clear they're not perfect because obviously if you're coming across in a way like I've got it all together let me teach you my wisdom let me teach you about what I know and what I practice all the time there is going to be this expectation of oh you've got it all together <laughs> mm. Mm. and I think sometimes by being transparent or being just honest and saying actually I'm journeying through this or I'm experiencing this or I find this really hard. Yeah. It kind of makes you more human in a way. It, it kind does. of makes you more real, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, vulnerability is, yeah. is massive. Um, Kirk Franklin, who's a great gospel singer, he says uh, people aren't engaging with the church as much because we know how to show people our scriptures, but we don't know how to show them our scars. Mm. And I think that's so important. Sometimes we have this sort of like I win mentality, this sort of like everything's okay. Here's all these scriptures. Here's all these Bible verses. I know, but I think what people really want sometimes is, yeah, have you ever got it wrong sometimes? Mm-hmm. You know, how have you learned, you know, to take your losses and turn them into lessons? Like, what losses yeah. have you had? And it's always so liberating when somebody is vulnerable. 
Totally. Because I remember a guy who leads Ivy Church, Anthony Delaney, before we moved on from that church, he was our pastor, and we still love him and esteem him to this day. I remember him once, I think you were there as well, he spoke about an argument that him and his wife had, and they basically told each other that they hated each other, <laughs> and, and they were sharing it. And I just remember feeling like shame come off me mm. when he said it. Not that, that he was empowering people doing that, but it was a sense of him being vulnerable liberated mm. me. And I was like, wow, like, he's a great guy, a great man of God, and... and and he was, be, you know, and they both repented to each other and all that stuff. And their marriage is still strong, which is amazing. So they weren't empowering the, the, the wrong sort of lifestyle. But it's just, it was so liberating to hear somebody be vulnerable because mm. it sets you free to be like, ah, oh, yeah, like we all make mistakes. Mm. We can all learn from them. I think, you know, as soon as you are like that, watch people and how the body language changes. They're like, mm. they're interested, they're intrigued because it's just real and so many people relate. They're like, oh my days, you you go through that as well as me. Yeah. It makes you feel like, actually, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just on a journey <laughs> like you're on the journey and we're all in this together. 100%. So the next question um, also comes from abroad, from uh, a girl that we know called Ashley in Canada. Do you want to read this question out, Emma? Yeah. Um, how does the church recover when they lose a leader to some very poor decisions? Ashley's church fired a leader after being caught committing serious fraud. Mm. He'd been there for over 20 years and was generally well-liked and respected prior to that. So it's Ooh. such a difficult question, that, isn't it? And, and Emma was just saying, like, when we were prepping this, that is just so... It's just so horrible to hear. And we've seen it so much recently. Mm. Ravi Zacharias, Carl Lenz, you know, these amazing... Well, like, people who were, did amazing things mm. and or seemingly amazing. And we've listened to them preach. And it's so, and it's so hard. And we are so sorry that that has happened. And, and it really does suck. And, and, and horribly, it happens a lot. And I think that last part of the question gets me as well. The fact that he was in leadership for 20 years and was generally well-liked and respected. Mm. So that is really difficult for me. And, and I would just say, obviously, leaders, we need to choose leaders based on character and not just charisma or competency. Mm. You know, we do that a lot. We navigate as human beings towards people who are charismatic, you know, they're full of life and energy. You know, we just navigate mm. to them generally. So no mm. wonder we choose them as leaders. And then also competency, you know, that's not a bad thing either to look at up to people who are good at the job. That mm. is a great thing. But I think character trumps all of that straight away. But I think our call as Christians is to have faith in God, not faith in man. We have to be prepared for when we are led by fallible humans. You know, we have to be prepared for the storm. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus could sleep in the boat while the disciples are freaking out in the storm is because he was prepared for the storm. He knew storms come in life, things happen. And I think we need to, you know, we don't want to expect all of our leaders to fail. I don't think that's right. But I think there's a healthy preparation that we can have in our hearts to know this person isn't the ultimate answer for my life. Jesus Christ is. I just think, Ashley, when I, when I heard your story, my heart just absolutely broke. Like, what an awful thing you've been through and experienced. But I just want to reassure you that 
as you and your church were going through that, like Jesus' heart was broken too. Yeah. And he's with you and he's with your church and he will carry you through this. And you will get through this. You will get through this with him. And like Josh was saying, it's just reminding us that the leaders, the leaders in the church are there being put in that position to serve. Mm. And I'm sad to say, he, you know, some people don't do a very good job at serving. Wow. And that's sad. But we need to remember who we are there for, really. It's mm. for Jesus first and foremost. That's who we set our eyes on. Mm. Stephen from church, do you choose leadership or does leadership choose you? Good yeah. question. So this is Stephen from our church, Stephen Pearson. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> I thought this was a great question, Stephen, actually. Um, yeah. And I was actually thinking about this question before, before you even sent it. I was thinking about this question today. And I, I really, really believe that there's both. Yeah. I think some people choose leadership and some people are just naturally gifted to leadership. Mm. I think some people are just born leaders, aren't they? Mm. You know, the leaders in the primary school, in the playground, in the secondary school, they're just natural leaders. It's just effortless. Mm. And I think, you know, God God gives us that gift. So, you know, it's nothing that we've conjured up or had to specifically work for. It's just a God-given gift. But then I do also believe that some people choose leadership. Um, I think... I think we're a, an example of this, Josh. I think you're very natural. <laughs> and I think I'm somebody who's worked at it. And I think sometimes life experience can mm. make you a leader. And going through things and investing in yourself and going on courses or even in your workplace mm. can help you become a leader through working with other people and then leading people and making mistakes and growing as a leader through, you know, just life experience. Mm. So I do think there's both actually and it also made me think what is a what is a leader mm. you know when you think leader you think oh gosh somebody high up they've made it but actually <laughs> I remember um as even as a young person going to church Phil Smith from Vine Life saying actually a leader is just a person one step ahead of another because somebody I remember somebody who hadn't been a Christian very long went to him and said I'd love to lead a group grow group but I don't think I'm good enough yet to be a leader mm. and actually he said you know what though you'd be great you'd be absolutely great mm. helping new believers you know helping those people that yeah you're just one step ahead of them and mm. investing in them you'll be great so all of us can be leaders mm. Yeah, I love that point of view because when I'd sort of prepared my answers, I sort of felt like I think you choose leadership. And then when me and Emma was just connecting on, on what we were going to say and Emma said she saw it both ways, it made me think, you know, yeah, I think there are some people who are naturally just gifted at influencing people. You know, John Maxwell, who's written the forward for this book that we're giving away at the end of the episode, he says leadership simply is influence. And some people just have that sort of natural propensity to influence influence people but I think even then even those people at one point would have had to have chosen to be a leader to stand up and to say actually I'm gonna I'm gonna lead people or, or they've sort of chosen to sort of put their influence out there on the map you know they could shrink back from from being from mm. being that person there's probably people that are so naturally gifted that could mm. never shrink back it's like no matter where they go yeah they're, they're just, just leading <laughs> they're just leading but i but what i 
I think the reason why I was saying it is because I really want to get across the fact that leadership is a daily choice, like, and we can all choose to take that position. And sometimes leadership is just the difference between a really simple choice mm. of like, yeah, I'm going to lead my kids today. I'm going to lead them really well. I'm actually not going to let them dictate how I feel or or what we're doing I'm going to lead and that and that is a choice to to lead and you might feel you know and, and Emma shares shared about this the fact that she doesn't maybe feel that natural sort of rush to lead as maybe I do but there there are times where Emma has to say actually no I believe in this cause I believe in this thing I'm gonna lead here so uh, the next question we've got is from Alex he says how do you learn to trust your own judgment again? What do you need from those outside your congregation, if anything? And he says himself, he's alluding to the lack of forgiveness and grace shown to anyone in the public eye who makes a mistake. So this is a great question. It's kind of a two-part question, it really, isn't it? When you make a mistake, when you fail, how do you learn to trust your, your own judgment again? And then do we need outside help? from maybe our church congregation that we're leading or you know our, our classroom that we're leading or our, our kids that we're leading do we need help from the outside to sort of trust our own judgment again and and get back on track with our leadership when we make a mistake so the really easy question for you emma <laughs> emma loves this i think um i think we all make mistakes don't we i we think do. it's on the scale of how big is this mistake that you're making is it small mistake huge mistake but you know we're all gonna make mistakes and that's part of the learning process and that's what makes a good leader in a way isn't it by making mistakes and thinking oh gosh I'm never gonna do this again and this <laughs> and is learning. why you're happily married because I don't make any mistakes no. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the silence oh. Um, and I, but I do think as well it is about having I mean that's what I was saying about the scale this is like yeah let's just sell everything and live with the consequence I think there's a real scale of the consequences of your decisions isn't there mm. and I think you know the bigger decisions it is really important to have good people around you where you can run ideas or thoughts past them and mm. um, through them just to make sure that you're on the right track because sometimes we can have an idea that could have serious consequences on others mm -hmm. and it's just really important that we we think about others not just ourselves not just our great idea but we consider the whole picture it's very important that we surround ourselves with good people that know that will be transparent with you as well yeah. it's not just about having yes people around you anyone can have yes people around you it's about having people that actually you know would say to you i don't agree or i disagree or mm. that would that wouldn't work you need those kind of people around you don't you yeah and that's where I come to with that question. You know, how do you trust your own judgment again? Well, maybe your judgment isn't very good in that area. Mm. So actually, maybe your wife's judgment or one of your elders in your church. Always the wife. Yeah. Always your wife's Always judgment. Always the wife. <laughs> Always ask the wife. I've had it drilled into me. But it's that sense in which, you know, sometimes when you make a mistake, it's recognising, actually, I might not be very good at finances, shout out to me. <laughs> I'm, I might not be very good at communication when I'm angry. So actually, maybe I need to bring somebody else in when I've been angered by a situation to communicate why that person did something wrong. Does that make sense? So sometimes it's like, if you're asking yourself, how do I learn to trust my own judgment again? Maybe sometimes that means 
means your judgment wasn't the best in that situation. Yeah. So you need other people, like Emma was saying. And I think the second thing for me is around this idea of cancel culture versus grace culture. You know, uh, we live in a culture at the moment that that tries to cancel any time somebody does something wrong. It's like, oh, cancelled. We don't listen to that person. That person shouldn't have that job anymore. Mm. Uh, that person needs to step down from what they're doing. But actually, as Christians, we're grace culture. Mm. You know, we're not cancellation culture. We're restoration culture. Mm. We show grace. We show love. But I also think, because uh, you hear this a lot from leaders sometimes, oh, I need people to show me grace, like, in this season. And it's like, yeah, but grace means that you're forgiven from what you do wrong, but also grace empowers you to live a holy life. So actually, you, you need to understand that grace, asking for grace, mm. is also meant to lead you into making better decisions next time. Mm. And so that's why I'm saying sort of about trusting your own judgment. Maybe you need to work on your judgment. Mm. Maybe you need to go on a course about communication, you know, to do better with your judgment. Pete Dawson, who's a good friend of ours. Hi, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, he sort of asked this, this really great question. How do we raise great leaders for outside of church life? Often the pinnacle of great leadership is something we celebrate as something that always has to be church ministry focused. And, and this is great why it's great that I've got Emma on because I lead sort of in Christian ministry and, and different things like that whereas Emma works in a school. She works in a school I work in sort of more Christian ministry full-time sort of thing in the Christian circle that we sort of raise up the great leader the pinnacle as the like the pastor the worship leader but how, how do we raise great leaders for outside of the church? Just as you was talking it just remind me of oh do you just love Jesus? <laughs> like how Jesus came to earth and was a carpenter as yeah. well as as well as a teacher mm. and how he used Paul who was a tent maker and the disciples who were fishermen mm. you know it just the way he's done that is just showing like god values profession wow. as well as just ministry but i do think you know if you if you think about all the skills that you've required in your in the ministry role all those skills will be just so easily transferred into the workplace and also we've got to remember it's Christ in us that's being carried anywhere mm. you know it's the same Christ that you can carry into the office that you experienced in the church when yeah. you were standing on the platform the same Christ can perform a miracle you know in your in your new workplace as a Christ that performed a miracle in the church building mm, that's you know right. in fact you know think about all the the non-christians that you've got opportunities to teach people that have never heard this before yeah so I think, you know, sometimes we've got to have the knowledge of who Christ is and the belief in yourself because sometimes we can't always rely on others to shout and cheer for us, even though that would be amazing and we <laughs> do need to work on that mm. in the church. Sometimes we, we can't always have that. But we need to be assured in our identity in Christ mm. and who he is that we can do it. We can yeah. do all things through Christ Jesus. It's not, you know, it's not just held in the four walls of a church building. Preach it. And, you know, it talks about in Ephesians, it talks about the, the fivefold ministry. Pastors, and now I have to get this right. <laughs> Pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists apostles yay. yay fivefold ministry we sort of want to put people in those different categories all the time and, and we try and get those people in those different categories in our church leadership but actually the bible uses those five models to say that these are there to equip 
the saints for the work of ministry. We always miss that part of the scripture. We just sort of focus in on, well, what fivefold are you? Are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you an evangelist? But actually all those giftings are meant to equip the people of God, the saints, for the work of ministry. So actually, if I'm a pastor in church, I'm not actually necessarily doing the work of ministry as much as a doctor is in the hospital. My job is to actually equip that doctor for to reach their other doctor friends for Jesus, to be um, to to love their patients, to love their colleagues, mm-hmm. to serve really well, to to grow in their role, be excellent at their role. You know, I'm there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it's this idea, and and I talk to Ben Jeffrey a lot about this, who's our pastor now. We're not trying to build big churches. We're trying to build big people. You know, that's, I'm not trying to get loads of people into my church to make a big church to watch me do the ministry. I'm trying to build big people so that they go and do the ministry. So good. And um, actually also my mum talks about leading outside of, Church 2, which was um, on the episode before this one, which you can maybe check out after you've watched this. So Alan Taylor had a great question for us, Emma. What can millennials learn from the failures or lessons of older generations? Great question. This is a great question. It's something me and Emma talk about a lot um, because we're always trying to learn and we sort of look around us. And I think naturally you look up to older generation um, for advice and wisdom. And there's been lots of amazing uh, bits of advice and wisdom that we've learned from older generations. But yeah, I, I think we can we can learn from the failure, perhaps, all the learned lessons of the older generation, even if they haven't necessarily got it right. And I think one of the things that I have seen a lot is, is this idea of idolising ministry, idolising being a leader in a church, or even, even just work in general, you know, becoming workaholics. And I see it a lot in my generation, this like workaholic thing, like mm. you just work till you drop and you forget shop till you drop. Like it's just like work, work, work. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Rihanna. So, <laughs> but actually, you know, me and Emma have spoken extensively about how God and family is our first ministry yeah, and calling is second. Yeah. And I just think that's so important because what's the point? In, in leading lots of people and trying to trying to preach the gospel to lots of people if the people within your own home aren't getting the message. Because, mm. you know, I was an evangelist for... Oh, I still am an evangelist. I've been for like 13 years out on the road preaching the gospel to loads of people. But since I've had children, I've noticed that I've had way more influence over my kids and what they believe, what they think, the way they live. I have way more influence over them mm. than I ever could have done mm. in... You know, if I'd preach and preach and preach to the same people. Because when, when you live out your life before somebody, it says so much. I think it's something, actually, if I'm honest with you, it's it's something that sometimes I, I get really frustrated at. I'm like, mm. why? Why did you do that? Or mm. why are you doing that? But at the end of the day, we can only be responsible for 
our own actions right. and our own decisions. And it is easy to point the finger and say, why are you doing this or that? We're not in that position. But like I said, we are responsible for our own action decisions and we can only change ourselves and be responsible for changing ourselves. So we can learn from what others do well or what they didn't do well and may think to ourselves, well, if that's me or when it becomes my time, I'm going to do this differently. Mm. And I think it's really important that we learn from others, mm. the good and the bad, and we make decisions based on that. I do believe the past generation are meant to be our floor. Wow. <laughs> you know, That's we're good. meant to build on them. We're meant to build on what they've done. Mm. We're not meant to do the same thing. We keep doing the same thing. We'll always be in the same level. We'll never make any progress. That's right. They're meant to be the floor. We're meant to learn, make progress, change, adapt, and build on that. And then our children, and then the next generation after that, are meant to build on what we've accomplished. Yeah. By, yes, looking at what we did well, but also what we we didn't do so well and again changing and adapting and learning from that 100 the main thing that i want us to learn in my generation and this is why i'm right i've written my book which is coming out in the summer which i finished the other day <laughs> emma's like happy finally. wife <laughs> but getting the private right before the public i just i really hope and pray that we can be leaders that we can be people who who get our walk with god right who get our private lives right and in check before we you know we've become so enamored with instagram youtube being at the front being the center of attention but actually you will have a great fall if you've not got your private right before mm. the public and i just hope and pray that this podcast and, and that my book really just helps our generation to be people who yeah who preach what we practice so, good friend of mine, Helena and Joe Monk, Helena asks a brilliant question. And she was sort of asking this question about how can we all be leaders? And we've talked a little bit about that. How does that work in everyday life, everybody being a leader? And and do we even need the label leader? Or, or should we just sort of steer clear? You talk about this a lot, don't you? About it's not just leaders in a church or yeah. leaders up at the front, but we're all leaders. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher and a parent I'm not leading in a ministry at the moment in that, <laughs> yeah who in knows that kind of ministry yeah in that kind of ministry but you are leading at home in it I'm leading at home I'm leading at work mm. so it makes you think what is a leader yeah that's a good what question. is a leader mm. and I think a leader is just somebody who actually invests in others as well yeah and like we said before leads by example shows people the right path is not somebody who kind of says right i'm the leader you <laughs> you do what i say it's not simon says you have to do what i say it's what libby does <laughs> our daughter libby's like right i'm the leader i'm the leader you have to do everything i say <laughs> but actually a, a good leader is somebody who invests in others mm. and shows them others the way and builds others up and directs others and yeah i think you know we are we're all leaders in different areas aren't we yeah you can be leaders of your children or leader in your job it doesn't ne even necessarily mean you've got a title in your job it doesn't mean oh i'm a manager or you know i'm the head 
teacher who might be leading by example to the new teacher that's just started mm. or to your students or you know if we look actually look took time to look around us we're probably influencing and investing in people without yeah. even knowing that we're leading mm. and that's why i like john maxwell's definition you know leadership is influence because for me i I desperately try not to run away from leadership, but to run towards it, but actually to run towards a correct definition of leadership. Because actually, you know, Jesus unequivocally shows us that leadership is service. To be a leader, it means to be a servant. And I think it's it's this sense in which, you know, Jesus showed us that being a leader is being a servant. And actually, if we have a different definition of leadership that's not servant, then we need more servants and less leaders. And I think sometimes some leaders who don't have this view that leadership is, is being a servant... They often make servants, you know, and that's that's a key distinction to try and find a good leader. You look at somebody and you think, do you have servants around you or do you have other leaders around you? Do you have a bunch of people who are serving what you're doing or do you have a bunch of people who feel like they're doing it just as much as you're doing it? Got a question here from Marrell and they ask, as leaders, how are you intentionally pursuing holiness and wholeness in your own discipleship and journey with Jesus? What questions do you need to be asked regularly? Who are you going to ask these accountability questions to? Quite a few questions in there. Detailed. Detailed. <laughs> I like it, Marrell. Yeah, I think this is a really good question and something that me and Emma were chatting about when we were picking up on on this particular question. I liked how I liked two things about the question. Firstly, how she said, "In how are you intentionally pursuing holiness?" Because I think, you know, holiness doesn't just happen. It, it, you know, holiness is is an intentional pursuit and none of us are perfect. So that says to me, you know, holiness has to be something that we intentionally go after. Uh, and also I liked how she said about wholeness you know pursuing wholeness in your life because I think if you're struggling in the area and this is a bit cliche and cheesy but if you're struggling in the area of holiness it's probably because you're lacking in wholeness because there's there's something in you that's that's broken that needs fixing and often we we think about sin as this sort of you know law-breaking behavior but actually a large part of sin is our own brokenness and our own fallenness when we stumble and fall because actually we're void of love or we're void of forgiveness and and so we act up and and stuff like that so I actually really love uh, this question about intentional pursuit Um, I see my role as a leader as not um, trying to be as holy as possible or as whole as possible but I see my role as a leader as a person as making sure that I'm always intentionally pursuing those things the second question what questions do you need to be asked regularly Um, Mm. personally think that it's not one question fits all yeah. Because everybody's so different. And I think it comes back to having depth of relationship with people and having mm. people around you who know you, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and can ask those questions that are relevant to you. Yeah. It's not necessarily what questions should you be asked regularly. It's about, it links to the third question about who's asking you these questions. Yeah. Because if somebody is asking these questions because they know you as an individual, they mm-hmm. know what questions to ask. Yeah, that's My true. struggles aren't necessarily your struggles struggles my strengths aren't necessarily somebody else you know i don't think it's one question fits all well let's be so clear think... emma doesn't have any struggles no, I'm perfect. <laughs> you know well... <laughs> my struggles aren't your struggles 
<laughs> there's there's many times in our household where I get picked up on my struggles because there's a lot of them. <laughs> I'm saying nothing in this. I'm keeping out of this, eh? No, but it's true. Um, because accountability, it can be dangerous sometimes if you don't choose the right person to have mm. that depth of relationship with. And you talk a lot about how marital accountability is important within mm. your own marriage, within your own home. But I guess if you're not married or in a committed relationship, you need to find somebody. And it's probably good for you to find it anyway, mm-hmm. outside of your relationship. You know, I have some relationships in my life that I'm sort of accountable just as much as I am maybe with my wife as well. And that's that's really important mm-hmm. to have. But it's really important about who, who you have in your life. And I always see it as a little bit like what you said before about leadership being somebody somebody who's sort of one step ahead. Yeah. I sort of think about that as accountability and mentorship as well is maybe not necessarily looking up to somebody who's absolutely amazing mm-hmm. uh, but maybe thinking well who's one step ahead of me who can help me in this area of my life. Just leading on from the idea of person that you're married to being accountable I think it's really important to when considering who to marry mm-hmm. to think carefully about why you're marrying this person it's not just an attractive thing but can you be transparent with this person can you have a depth of this person wow. do you tell all to this person mm. sometimes we miss that aspect because really this is the person that you're going to be accountable to for the rest of your life mm. it's not like all the accountabilities that sometimes come and go it's together forever isn't it really well that's where we should go into marriage and <laughs> um, thinking together <laughs> forever so i think it is definitely one thing we should consider before choosing our life partner i think that's true so we've got two more questions mm-hmm. two more questions to go we're nearly there so larry's got a question for us and larry's question is what does washing the feet of those who you're called to serve look like for you obviously it comes from the story of jesus washing the disciples feet what does that look like for you i think i think the starting point is to think well what actually was jesus doing here Mm. what was washing the disciples feet i mean it's something in this culture we're like what (laughs) jesus did what Mm. but really back then that was a standard practice wasn't it when people had walked a lot because their feet would be dusty and tired and sore you'd have to wash your feet they'd have to you'd have to wash their feet Mm. to refresh them give them rest replenish them but also, it was making yourself lower than the person. It was a, it's a way of serving, wasn't it? A way yeah. of serving that person. Yeah. So I like to think of it. I mean, obviously, it's not a practice that we would do today. You know, if you went up to your university friend and said, can I wash your feet? It'd probably look like you've got two <laughs> heads. But I just think, just by asking the question, how can I help this person? Mm. What does this person need right now in this moment? And how can I help them? Mm. What I like about this, and and that's really good, what I like, and and the way that we can get to that point of asking people genuinely, you know, how can I help, is I see it as Jesus had this attitude of nothing's too low for me. Mm, You know, nothing's too menial that I can't be involved in. And, you know, I've even been challenged with that just in my day-to-day life, you know, Mm. before the coronavirus, I'm travelling the world. When you get home, you've got to clean the counters and do the dishes. And, and actually, if you're having a problem with that, it's because that attitude's crept in of, I'm too big for this. Mm. If you're too big to serve, 
then you're too small to lead. Because if you think that you're so big and amazing that you can't serve, well, actually, that shows you're bankrupt in your character and you're actually too too small to lead. Mm. And I think that's important because Jesus is the leader of all leaders. Yeah. And yet he took the time out to serve. Oh, one more thing about Larry's question. It is such a good question. Just following on what you said, Josh, sometimes I think it is just the small things that actually mean the most to <laughs> To people mm. instead of just waiting for something serious or huge to happen and then everyone comes running to your rescue it's knowing that people are thinking about you and, and there for you even in the the small things yeah that that whatever you're going through you're there for people i mean one of the most amazing experiences we had over christmas was not because we were going through a hard time we weren't isolating we weren't <laughs> sick we weren't struggling fact you know it wasn't anything like that but a couple from our church just turned up with a hamper for christmas yeah and honestly it absolutely wrecked us didn't we we were like crying <laughs> for days after and I think that the thing that really touched us was they were just thinking about us yeah. and just did this act of service. And it shocked them, it shocked that our reaction. Yeah. Our reaction shocked them. They were like, oh, it's just a small gift. Yeah, but, but to us it meant mm, so much. And I think mm. it's it meant so much because we weren't expecting it because we weren't going through anything huge or dramatic that mm. they just wanted to serve us in that way. It was just... And that's the life of the leader, isn't it? That's, yeah. you know, nothing's too small for me because we recognise that actually small for me might be big to someone else. Yeah. Tim Funnel. Final question. Final question. <laughs> How do we prevent this sort of one-size-fits-all success looks mm. like this sort of model of leadership? Because we do do that sometimes, don't we? Mm. Of like, For example, success successful church equals a thousand plus people massive building you know money really in the bank money in the bank yeah success looks like nice car nice house yeah you know all that kind of stuff but actually you know we talk in church a lot about not trying to build up big churches but trying to build up big people and it and it comes from this idea and me and emma were chatting about this before uh, we started recording that actually what is success and i always say that success for me is fulfilling my god-given potential mm -hmm. because the issue is if you have a different idea of success you'll always struggle with envy and jealousy and envy and jealousy will always rob you of your true calling in life and mm -hmm. finding joy in your life you know envy is the thief of joy you have to understand that god has put you on this earth on purpose for a purpose and it's a unique purpose that's yeah. uniquely tailored to you. And success is when you go after that and you achieve points on that thing that's your purpose. And the reality is everyone's got a unique purpose, yeah. even though it can look similar to other people's. So yeah. that's where we've got to be careful when yeah, our totally. calling's similar to someone else's that we don't fall in the trap. Getting envious and jealous, which I know I do a lot of the time. And, and what brings me back to a right understanding is actually God's given me a calling. Yeah. He's given me a purpose. And I'll find true joy when I focus on trying to fulfil that. And I think sometimes we can put man-made goals and purposes on ourselves. And it's that's when we're getting into the striving, Ooh. isn't it? That's when we're getting, God, why aren't you doing this? And God's like, well, I never asked you to do this. <laughs> you just sat down and thought, oh, that looks good. I'll have one of them and one mm. of them. 
we put pressure on ourselves and I think that's where where we can feel like we're not successful and it's not because we're not successful we we're creating pressure on ourselves mm. to look like a certain model and mm. we've got to be really careful of that and I think it's really important you know we've heard it so many times that when we get to heaven who's going to be closest to Jesus people say sometimes it's not going to be the pastor it's not going to be the worship leader who's told, sold 10 million copies it's going to just be the the old woman yeah of course it's going to be a woman got to be a woman <laughs> Who was just faithful, you know, faithful in the prayer. It was just faithful to what God so true. called her to do. And so what we've got to come to is, am I doing what God's called me to do? And if you are, you're a, you're a success. Simple as that. Simple as that. Simple as that. What a way to end the podcast this week. Well, you've made it to the end of the podcast, which means I'm now going to tell you how you can win this book by Chad Veach about leadership. And uh, it actually speaks a lot about what we've been talking about today, how uh, being a good leader is all about leading yourself well. Uh, so what you need to do is you need to screenshot you listening to this podcast and send it to me on Instagram at Josh so social in the DM or whatever and I'll see it and then I'll be picking a winner next week on the final episode of Leadership L's How to Turn Your Losses into Lessons. What an amazing series this has been and thank you so much to my beautiful wife for coming on. Aww. The best leader I know, apart Aww. from Jesus. <laughs> make sure you subscribe and make sure you tune in every week to the podcast, Preach What You Practice. Uh, you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash preach what you practice. It will make my wife very happy if very you do that. <laughs> and happy wife is happy life. So yeah. there you go. So yeah, tune in next week for another episode.